1: Sure, so just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com, or you can click the uh, link in the show notes to get started today.
0: Thanks again. Welcome to Bible Mysteries. You're listening to Episode 47, Ideological Subversion. What if there are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know? Are you ready to take the red pill? And now, here are your hosts, Scott and Zena. Hello and welcome once again to Bible Mysteries Podcast, the show that reveals the secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know, right, Zena?
2: That is very true.
0: (laughs) I'm here again with the Warrior Princess. How are you?
2: I'm good. How about yourself?
0: I'm well, thank you. Glad to have you with us again.
2: Thank you. It's
0: been a... It's been a cool summer for Texas, hasn't it?
2: It has. It's been hot. Well,
0: cooler than usual because we've had so much rain. Like we had rain today. Rain to I
2: know. Today, yeah. I'm kind of over the rain because it brings mosquitoes.
0: Yeah, that's true. But it does keep the temperatures down. It's been the wettest July I can remember for like a long yes. time, years and years. So I, I bring that up because I think, and I could be wrong, but I think the... Um, the weather is actually going to start getting cooler uh, overall. You know, people talk about global warming, right? Yeah. But I've been reading that we're entering a phase that astronomers call a solar minimum, where the sun doesn't create as many sunspots and there's not as much activity. Now, I mean, granted, if you stood on the sun right now, you'd burn up, right? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's not like it's cool enough to go vacation on the sun, right? But... uh, but that has a dramatic effect on the rest of the planets, and so the Earth included would mean colder winters, milder summers, and a lessened growing season. And I know you love hot weather, so it's I not do, hot enough.
2: I'm not <laughs> here for the cold, I, just, oh,
0: I don't like it. So anyway, I, maybe I should be warning you to get ready, stockpile food because. <laughs> We may have shorter growing seasons. and You might need to get, you know, those big bear coats and yeah, things. Yeah, for
2: sure.
0: <laughs> Come next July, you'll be shivering in front of a fire, right? <laughs> so anyway, we've been talking about Operation Paperclip. Yes. We've learned a lot about how that technology and that knowledge that was uh, generated by the Germans in World War II was sort of uh, confiscated by both the Soviets and the United States. But we brought a lot of their brain power over here with Operation Paperclip. Today, we're going to talk about ideological subversion, which is a type of psychological warfare. Okay. Okay. And we're going to find out that the Germans, the Nazis, I should say, not the Germans, the Nazis had done a lot of psychological experiments as well, and unfortunately, on on unwilling test subjects during World War II, Uh, particularly the the Jewish people uh, were the victims of many of their atrocities, uh, not just them, but that was one of the biggest... And they did a lot of medical and scientific experiments on people. So when they did that, they learned a lot about mind control and things that they could do. Now, obviously, after World War II and as a result of Operation Paperclip, those would have been some of the things and technologies and discoveries that we wanted our hands on. And so did the Soviets. So you'll recall during that time, the Soviet Union existed instead of Russia. Yeah. And it was a communist Nation. It was a union of Soviet socialist republics, and there was an entity there, and it was called the KGB. Have you ever heard of that, the KGB? I have not. Okay. The KGB would have been the Soviet's version of the Secret Service. So what we called the CIA, they called the KGB. Okay. So that, that, that's probably an oversimplification, but it gets the idea across. And in many cases, they were spies and they infiltrated other countries, including us, you know, the U.S., yeah. And they were looking to do things. But much of their psychological warfare, they either had learned from what they also stole from the Nazis— even before that, um, which was actually right around World War I, was when there was a revolution in Russia. Okay, so this predates anything to do with Operation Paperclip by many years. But the Bolsheviks were a group of communists in Russia that used their power to overthrow the czars. And at that time, Russia was a nation, and they were ruled by a king, but their king was called a czar. And the queen was a czaress, right?
2: What a name.
0: yeah. So it's spelled like T-S-A-R, I think, czar.
2: Oh, with a T?
0: Those other languages. It's like they have a different word for everything. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, I think the Bolsheviks murdered most of the royal family uh, in the uh, revolution. And then they installed uh, whichever one of the first communist dictators. I forget. It's Stalin or Lenin or whoever it was. I think it might have been Lenin. They based their ideology mainly on books written by authors such as Marx, Karl Marx, who is sort of the grandfather of communism, if you will. And he lived in the 1800s, you know. And there was another man that's going to come into play today. We're going to talk about uh, a man whose last name was Hegel, H-E-G-E-L. But we're going to start with some scripture today, because basically we're, we're talking about ideological subversion and the fact that all nations right now, more or less, and to a greater extent, the West, United States, Western Europe, are under this ideological subversion by the same Marxists that overthrew Russia, that actually were instrumental in getting Hitler and the Third Reich in power with the Nazis. It's the same tactics that they were using to convince people to abandon truth and facts and their own moral beliefs and adopt something completely new and different that's not true or not godly. So we're going to start in the book of Proverbs, an Old Testament passage, uh, in chapter 14, verse 12. And we're going to read, it's one simple verse, "...there is a way which seemeth right unto a man." But the end thereof are the ways of death. Now, that's an interesting passage that stands the tests of time, you know, because man's always trying to find a better way to do things. But God wrote down, nope, this is the right way to do it. And man goes, no, nah, I don't want to do it that way. Yeah. <laughs> so let's find a better way. So when you veer off the course that God laid out in the beginning, then you're going to end up running into trouble. Mm -hmm. and creating problems, and that's what it is. So today, uh, and every generation might say this, you know, people my age are thinking, oh, back in our days it was better, this and that, you know. And the young (laughs) people think, ah, you're all a bunch of sticks in the mud, you don't know anything. And uh, I felt the same way in my 20s, you know. I thought my mom and dad were idiots, right? And then I got into my 30s and 40s and I started to realize how smart they were. (laughs) (laughs) Because through time and experience, you start to realize, oh, maybe there was some wisdom in what they've been telling me, you know? Yeah. But when we're we're younger, it's hard to see. Very true. You've got to experience things, really. Mm -hmm. Almost, You almost have to see it yourself before it really sets in for you. And especially for stubborn, hard-headed people like me. (laughs) And I truly am. Uh, but what we know is there's a way that seems right, but the ends are the ways of death. So it's not just like that's been tried before and we realize there's a better way, this works better. It's not just that. It's that if you're not careful, you're going to go after this new thing, not realizing that somebody's trying to deceive you and lead you into something that's going to result in death. Yes. You know, so that's where we got to be really careful in trusting the Word of God. Now, Having said that, 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 4, and we've read this before, but I'm going to remind my listeners, because the times are coming when bad things are going to happen, all right? And in verse 1 of 2 Timothy 4, this is a New Testament passage that the Apostle Paul wrote. He says, now the Spirit speaketh expressly, which means, you know, very clearly, that in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith. In other words, even believers are going to be misled giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. And I think that we've reached that stage here. And it doesn't mean we've never reached the stage before. Other countries have gone through similar things, you know, since the beginning of time. But in America right now, since this is my country, I can see where people's consciences are getting seared with a hot iron. And when you think about a hot iron, you know, if you, were, you ever burned yourself on an iron? Yes. Okay, that hurts.
2: It hurts a lot. <laughs>
0: and then it usually leaves a scar, mm-hmm. right? So there's some kind of a callus or mark. Even after it heals and the hurting goes away, uh, I've got those marks on me where I realize, oh, that's when I burned myself with the yes. iron. Yes. I, because it doesn't really ever completely disappear. Mm-hmm. Over time, a wound like that, a searing wound, and you think of almost like a brand, when you brand cattle with a with a branding iron. I know, so poor cruel. things. Right. That that's done because that mark will obviously help the ranch owners identify So that's my cattle, but it's also never gonna go away. You know, Very even true. if they're young calves, when they brand them, they're gonna grow up and they'll be they'll have that mark till the day they die. See. Mm-hmm. So that's how a, a seared wound will last on a person. Well, here it's on the conscience. So it's not external, it's internal. Mm-hmm. And that means a person's conscience, which is their mind, their soul, their, their ability to distinguish between right and wrong, is getting changed. And we're going to find that through mind control, people can be manipulated to do things they ordinarily wouldn't do. Now, that's, say, as an individual. Okay, You can literally brainwash a person, and as an individual, you can convince them to do things against their will. However, to control masses, you can't brand everybody.
2: Very true. Easily.
0: And you can't hook everybody up to an electronic machine and fry their brain and whatever, scatter, scramble their brains. I hope you know, not. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> a, and maybe they'll save that at some point for the, for the real rebels. But, um, but for now, they found through these techniques that were learned from Operation Paperclip that they can create a mass delusion or deception in many cases. And we've been seeing it lately happening all, all through the pandemics. You know? I'm not saying there wasn't a real virus, because there was. Yeah. But the truth about the virus was hidden from us, you know, and there was a reason behind that. So from Operation Paperclip came a wealth of psychological advances in mind control perfected by Marxists in, say, the Soviet Union and I guess our own CIA, and used now in the United States. Now, it's interesting because back in 1984, there was a Soviet KGB spy that defected from the USSR to America. His name was Yuri Bezmenov, and he was the son of a high-ranking Soviet officer and a member of the Novosti Press Agency, which was the elite propaganda arm of the KGB. And we talk about propaganda and the press. Do you remember when we had a quote at the beginning of maybe it was either MK Ultra or Operation Paperclip when a former director of the CIA said that anybody of any name or any of any renown in the media is owned yes. by the CIA? Mm-hmm. They've been doing this for longer than we have. You know, so it's the same thing. It's like the media today, as far as I'm concerned, are controlled by our CIA. We have essentially the KGB here now. You know, it's not to the point now where they can arrest you because we still have a Bill of Rights. We still have a Constitution, but they're quickly getting to the point where that's going to be eliminated. And soon you won't be able to speak your mind. So
2: kind of like China, in a sense...
0: Very much like China. Okay. China right now is a full communist dictatorship. And our leaders are pushing us to go in the same direction because, and it's very possible. I'm not trying to point fingers at nations right now because I'm interested in showing and exposing Satan and his agenda. Mm-hmm. Right? But if China is behind a lot of what's going on right now, it wouldn't surprise me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's going to be a lot of conspiracy theories about them, and it's possible that they're behind it. But it's hard to nail those down, you know. Mm -hmm. But right now what I do know is think of the slippery slope of a president coming online and saying, if you find you've got neighbors and family members that haven't been vaccinated, you need to tell on them. You need to tell, you they're going to go door to door and ask, have you been vaccinated? Now, why would you be collecting that information? You know, we have an FMLA type act or HIPAA laws where nobody, nobody's supposed to have right to your medical information. You know, you don't know about my medical history. I don't know about yours. And we we should keep it that way, you know, (laughs) unless you're my physician. Right. Very if you true. were my doctor, obviously I would grant you permission. And if you've ever been to the doctor and you've got to fill out all those forms.
2: There's so many. It's
0: ridiculous. It's like a mortgage closing. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to get a checkup, right? But you've got to give them permission because there's all these laws. So essentially, in my opinion, what our current um, administration is doing is it violates the law to say we're going to go door-to-door and ask if you've been vaccinated. They have no right to that information. Yeah, And obviously, if you were to say, well, I'm not giving you any information, they're going to mark you as, okay, this person is noncompliant. So you're now on their radar. See, they're trying to find where we are. Who are the so-called rebels, you know? Yeah. Whatever. Of course, they're saying now the word patriot is a bad word. Yeah. I just learned that fancy is a bad word today. Yeah, <laughs> don't
2: use the word fancy,
0: not professional. Zina shared with me that she got fussed after using the word fancy. I always liked the word fancy. You know. <laughs> But uh, evidently, patriot is, uh, now has negative connotations, you know. so now Really? Yeah. Oh, right now they're identifying anybody that calls themselves a patriot as a white supremacist. It's so funny how white supremacy has become this huge problem in this country, and it wasn't before Trump. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's just ridiculous. So did we suddenly get a whole bunch of migrants come in here from white countries that want to take over?
2: Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> you know,
0: it's just crazy. Well, this this Soviet agent, former agent, Yuri Bezmenov, one one of his assignments was to accompany journalists visiting the Soviet Union, you know, whenever somebody came into their nation, when it was the USSR, and it was to make sure they did not discover the truth about Soviet life. And the same would be true if, like, if you went to North Korea today. They would allow you to see the, the ideological image they want you to Think of as North Korea, yeah. But they would not allow you to see the bad parts. I remember um, being a little bit of a football fan. Uh, I'm a Saints fan, New Orleans Saints, right? And the quarterback <laughs> that just retired was Drew Brees, mm-hmm. one of the greatest, you know. When he was being um, wooed to come to a new team back before he started with the Saints, he had a decision to make between I think Miami and New Orleans. And the coach of New Orleans at that time, I, I did get this from Drew Brees' biography, uh, was uh, Saban. I, I, I'm trying to remember his first name now. Nick Saban, I think. And uh, so they bring him, they fly him to New Orleans, wine him and dine him and all this kind of stuff. Well, this was right after Katrina had hit. hit right? So there's still areas of the city that were devastated. The the, the Ninth Ward and all that stuff was just a mess. So they had wooed him and given him all the spiel like they normally would. And then when they were done, they were driving him back to the airport. And I think it was Nick Saban driving the, the car and he took a wrong turn. And he ended up in one of those quarters of the city that was really hit hard yeah. by the damage, and it was you know it was a mess. And he was, oh God, if he if he sees this, he's going to say, no, I don't want to be a part of this.
2: I feel like it would be the opposite. It would make me feel bad and want to be a part of your team because empathy. That's exactly empathy,
0: what happened. You know. He got home that night. He and his wife and I, Brittany, I think, what yeah. his wife. But they got back to the hotel and they prayed. Right. And they said. God, are you telling us you want us to help restore and rebuild New Orleans? Right. It makes so and much more sense. Like, and that's what they did.
2: Like, well, I, I don't understand. I feel like ideally, yeah, who doesn't want to be wooed and only seeing the good? But I mean, you, you also have to show the ugly too. Yeah. Like there's always going to be ugly. I feel like if we only see the good, then when we do finally see the ugly, we're like... <gasps> What is this? Yeah. When did this happen? Well, no?
0: he, saw, he saw a parallel in the city being hit hard because he was injured really hard when he was with the San Diego. Yeah. And then they everybody thought your career's over and you're never going to play again. And he had to go through a lot of rehabilitation. So none of the teams t- took him seriously. And even Miami kind of gave him like, you know, well, you might be on the, the second string or whatever.
2: Ew. <laughs> and Saban so said,
0: no, I want to build a team around you. Yeah, you know, And he said, okay, this is my city. So they just made it their town, and then they did a lot to help to, to improve it. Good for it. them. Yeah. It's a really inspiring story if you ever want to read Drew Brees' biography. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> <laughs> so the idea was when journalists came to the Soviet Union, they didn't want them to see the dirty, ugly truth mm-hmm. about what Soviet life was really like. So after becoming disillusioned with that whole system, this Yuri Bezmenov defected, and he moved to America. And he explains in this interview back in 1984, it was a long time ago, right? I had just graduated high school in 1984, right?
2: Wasn't even born yet.
0: Yeah, yeah. So he explains the steps that were used by the USSR to achieve ideological subversion. It was a long-term process to change the masses' perception of reality to such an extent that despite the abundance of information, all the facts, no matter what you present to them, no one is able to come to sensible conclusions in the interest of defending themselves, their families, or their community and their country." And that's what we're seeing what's happened today. We're going to go through the four steps of it. But you've got people that if they're, they're ideologically opposed to each other, right, left, it doesn't matter, whatever side you want to pick. They can't have a logical conversation anymore. It becomes a heated emotional argument. It's no longer about facts anymore. Nothing, nothing you can say can make me stop hating you because you're the opposite of me.
1: Yeah. You know?
0: And that's where we are now. Well, this didn't happen naturally. This happened by design. Ideological subversion, which is basically a form of psychological warfare, has four steps to it. The first is called demoralization. Okay. And this is what we learned from the Soviet technique, which, like I said, they probably perfected after they got all their data from the German you know, scientists and whatever. But it's been happening for at least this, he said this two decades, but it actually. This has been longer than that, you know, now it's probably four or five decades. And it went into full gear in the past 10 years, and that's certainly true. Now, I'm getting this information from that website, thevigilantcitizen.com. So he writes, this site has been documenting this space since 2008. So here we are in 2021, so it's been more than 10 years already. And we're past this point. Demoralization, that step has been going on, was ongoing, probably starting sometime in the 60s, I okay. would say. yeah, Because it was, it was 1945 when World War II ended in America. And then shortly thereafter, the Operation Paperclip and all that stuff. Then they had to digest and process all the information. And it's interesting because in the 50s, there was a big scare of communists infiltrating the United States government, you know. And there was this guy named McCarthy and he had all these trials and it became a big witch hunt. And the left to this day still demonizes him about doing that because they were accusing everybody in Hollywood about being a commie. You're red, you're a commie, you know.
2: I do remember hearing about that. There's history. movies about yeah. that,
0: yeah, and things like that. Well, in reality, he was actually right. His methods were wrong, but he was right to be concerned because they were infiltrating, but not the way he thought they were. They got into universities. They got into the media. They got into all this stuff. So the elite's agenda, so remember, this is always about the satanic global elite. They're the ones pulling the strings. The elite's agenda is being drilled into the minds of the youth through entertainment, education, the news, so-called, and social media on a daily basis the youth is being demoralized in every way possible from being confused about one's own gender to turning against one's own country. And we've been seeing that. And I say we. I think my generation and older sees it, and your generation is in it, kind yeah. of living it, experiencing it, and, and not seeing necessarily, and I'm not accusing you, but I'm talking about the, the generation, not seeing what's happening around them. Because this younger age group, when I was there, I wasn't thinking about the stuff going on around me. Yeah. I'm busy trying to start a life, a career. What am I going to do with my life? Am I going to have a, a get married, have kids? Mm-hmm. Am I going to go in this direction or that direction? So I wasn't thinking about politics and the world in my yeah. 20s. It just wasn't.
2: I definitely am not. Yeah. I mean, I think about the world, but definitely not politics. Yeah.
0: And what I did think about the world and politics was probably more of an emotional response than a looking for the facts. Yeah, Because facts, th- that takes work.
2: <laughs> it does.
0: <laughs> it takes study. And because there's a lot of crap, you got to dig through to get to the truth. Mm-hmm. So when you have to put that much effort, and you're already extending a lot of effort into just daily getting where I need to go next, you know, who am I? Disco- it's self-discovery is what, yeah. we're, what we're going through in our 20s. So they are the target because they are in that malleable condition, if you will. You get a little experience for you, you get knocked down a few times, you get fired a few times from a job, or, or you experience a, a loss or whatever, or you, you know, get in debt and you dig your way out, you go through life, mm-hmm. and you get a little wiser. And then you become a little more leery of, okay, I know better than to trust that guy. <laughs> <laughs> or I know better than to listen to that lady, because yeah. th- at some point you've been burned and you learn your lesson, so you get a little older little wiser. Well, the youth is being demoralized, like he said, and it, to the point now where they don't even understand what is what, up is down, left is right, and they don't know. All right, so demoralization is the first phase. Well, we're, we're beyond that now, this nation is, and many others as well. The second phase is called destabilization. In this technique of ideological subversion, in this phase, Besmanov, the, the Soviet spy, mentions economy, foreign relations, and defense systems. With the devastating effects of COVID lockdowns on the economy, combined with the civil unrest uh, that's been going on, and it's kind of quieted down somewhat, but it was really bad during Trump's tenure. Yeah. And then it seems like all these... Uh, riots have sort of disappeared. Have you noticed? They're not in the news as much, you know? And they're gonna, oh, it's because we've got a new president and he's much better and the other guy was so bad. No, these things are being orchestrated. It doesn't matter who's the president. They're fighting an ideological war. If one guy is more in line with that ideology, that just means that they can calm down in that area and move on to another. Yeah. And, and don't get me wrong. I think Trump was just as much a tool of the global elite as Biden is. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any difference to me which party is in. I mean, he's the guy that did a lot of things wrong that brought about some of what we're seeing here. He's not the only one, but I'm just mm-hmm. saying. So uh, you can safely conclude that the U.S. is currently being destabilized. And it, I think it got destabilized sufficiently to where the satanic global elite probably thought the timing is right now. Because they can't move into their next phase until one's been completed. They- yeah. Hi, we hope you're enjoying the podcast, but I want to take a moment to remind you of something very important.
1: There are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know.
0: And the world is fast approaching the endgame and we wanna expose the coming deception before time runs out.
1: Freedom of speech is under attack and evil elements within governments and multinational corporations are trying to prevent you from learning the truth. Scott and I are being censored by social media platforms as we speak.
0: This is true, so you can help us use the satanic global elites own tools against them. Subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast so the controlled media can't shut us down.
1: We can use our own platforms to help expose them and keep you informed, but to do that we need your support. Help us to go full-time with Bible Mysteries.
0: Just seven dollars a month gives you every current episode ad-free without these annoying appeals. You also get full access to our special guest interviews and special events downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to the community forum where we answer your questions. Just go to biblemysteries.supercast.com to help us stop the assault on Christianity and free speech.
1: And don't forget, you can always donate any amount to support us at utbnow.com. These gifts are tax deductible.
0: Thanks again, and here's the show. They follow that this is not something that they're just going, making it up as they go along. There's a playbook for this, and they know it. They know it. So the next phase is uh, both really together. It's called crisis and normalization. Mm -hmm. Now, you could argue that the pandemic was a crisis, that the World Trade Center bombings was a crisis, you know, that the Afghan war was a crisis, a 20-year crisis. You know, how ridiculous. No country that has ever invaded Afghanistan in its history has ever subdued that nation. Did you know that?
2: No, I did not.
0: That is the, that is the country where empires go to die. The Soviets fought a war there for 10 years, and the Afghani-Pushtan rebels kicked their butts, and then we fought a war there for 20 years, and the same thing happened. We've accomplished nothing. Yeah, you know, as as far as regime change or a, a democracy or whatever, the Taliban is still in control. We've accomplished nothing after two trillion dollars.
2: Oh, what a waste of money! Can you
0: imagine what could have been done with that money to help this country? Yeah,
2: homeless people. My goodness, like there's so many of them. I don't understand why we feel like we need to go help others when we can't even help people in our own home country. It drives me bananas.
0: Well, you do understand. You do know why the satanic global elite are controlling things. See, when it doesn't make sense, there's a dollar in it. Yeah. You know? And so the reason why, because you know people, and there's some jerks out there, but most of the people in your life are people that believe in the right thing. Yeah. Wouldn't you say? I would say so. I I don't know many people that are just inherently evil people. You know, I mean, maybe if they're in prison because they're a psychopathic murderer or or serial killer or something like that. I don't know them personally, but I mean, (laughs) you know, I I don't know many people that are like that, but these people are beyond that. Mm -hmm. The satanic global elite are so psychopathic that they can't even see wrong. To them, nothing is wrong. To them, it's a means to an end. It does not matter who gets hurt in the process, okay? So crisis and normalization is a cycle that happens over and over and over again. A crisis is introduced into society, whether it's a war, a pandemic, some kind of panic, and it causes panic and distress, and it can only be resolved through a specific solution that was actually planned all along. So the truth is the satanic global elite creates the crisis because they've already got the solution to offer, which gains them more power, more control. Okay. So that's why this happens. The occult elite refers to the process as order out of chaos. And we talked about that. Even some of the occult symbols, they have a symbol that is the picture of order out of chaos. Mm -hmm. It's one of those weird symbols they have. Now, back to scripture We go to the Psalms of the Old Testament in chapter 14, or the 14th Psalm, and we read these in verse 1. The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. If you ever wanted a definition of a fool, there it is. (laughs) All my atheist listeners, the Bible calls you a fool.
2: Very true. The
0: fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They've done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. They are all gone aside. And that phrase, gone aside, is like they veered off the path. They are all together become filthy. There's none that doeth good, no, not one. Have all the workers of iniquity no knowledge, who eat up my people as they eat bread and call not upon the Lord. And that's the mindset of the, of the fool here. And we're, the satanic global elites are fools because they're literally fighting against the creator of the universe. The king of the universe is the person they either deny exists or they think it's Lucifer. Yeah. And they worship him. They worship the creature more than the creator. So they eat up my people as they eat bread, meaning they don't care who they hurt. And they're particularly interested in eliminating the people of God. So we're talking about Christianity. We're talking about believers, right? Mm-hmm. That's their sworn enemy. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, we've read about these individuals that in the latter times, perilous times are going to come. They're going to get worse, covetous, boasters, proud, all these horrible things. But when we skip down to verse 7, it says that they are ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. No matter how much technological advancements they might gain. And we've already talked a little bit about uh, in the last episode, is it possible that all that advanced technology that the Germans had were given to them through fallen angels as aliens, right? And then when we got them over here, the crash landing of Roswell was more technology. It's like whenever a secret agency, whether it's Nazis or CIA or KGB, decides that they're going to stand against the truth, Satan sends information. <laughs> Crash land, reverse engineer something, whatever. He's going he's gonna to give them information, just as he said in the beginning. So they're ever learning, but they're never able to come to the knowledge of the truth, which is God's truth, right? Now he goes on in verse 8, now as Jannes and Jambres withstood Moses, those names, you might remember there was a scene in the Bible where Moses was trying to get Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, to let his people go. They were bondage. They were slaves in, in Egypt, and he wanted them to be free to go worship God, and he wouldn't do it. So Moses was showing signs and wonders to convince Pharaoh to let them go. And at one point, he cast his staff down, and it turned into a serpent. Moses's rod was uh, turned into a serpent. Yeah. Well, there were two magicians of Pharaoh that took rods and cast them down, and they became serpents as well. And so they were like, ah, we can do it. It's just a parlor trick. If we could do it too, so there's no reason to fear him. But then Moses' serpent turned around and ate the other two serpents and swallowed them whole.
2: <laughs> I bet they feared him then. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it didn't. It took a lot more than that to get convince Pharaoh, but those two magicians were Jannes and Jambres. Right? you got to wonder, how do they know their names? You know? Yeah. They're not recorded anywhere else in the Bible, right? But it must have been known through tradition or the Spirit just told Paul who wrote this. These were their names, by the way. So he says, now as Janes and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. And we talk about conscience seared, reprobate minds. A reprobate mind means that they can't be renovated, they can't be restored. But in verse 9, they shall proceed no further for their folly, the root of fool, or fool is the root of folly. Their folly shall be manifest unto all men as theirs also was. The folly is in not believing God, not believing that he exists. So they align themselves. If you're, if you're foolish enough to deny God, you're a sitting duck for Satan to deceive. So you've got to convince a young generation There is no God, or he's not what you think he is. He's not the God of the Bible. He's this God of the LGBTQT, whatever. I mean, and I'm not trying to pick on any group. Yeah. But, you know, they're trying to make God to be something other than what the Scripture says. And if you do that, that's the demoralization. So that generation doesn't know what's right or wrong anymore, and they're certainly not going to turn to the Bible to find it. Yeah. The Bible's being vilified as a segregationist book or something like that. It's going, to be, it's going to be criticized, and so then destabilization can take place. What do you do when you don't have a moral foundation? You riot, you, you protest, you whatever, and then you destabilize the country. And then, oh, there's a crisis. How do we solve this crisis now? Well, they provoked the destabilization the whole time. The, the elites did. So now they come in with the answer. Well, you just need a different leader you need one who we own and we control Yeah. <laughs> instead of that loudmouth bragging guy that we couldn't control. You know, <laughs> we only controlled him a little bit, but we, needed, we need somebody who's so mentally incapable we can control everything they do. Mm-hmm. And I think that's who they have right now. I truly believe it, it's not a left-right thing with me. I believe our current president has dementia and he doesn't know where he is. I don't know how many medications he's on, yeah. but I feel very, very sorry for him. I really do. I I have great empathy for that man. I don't care about his career. I don't care about who he was or what he believed in. He's being controlled by somebody. And and it's awful to see. Anyway, that's just my opinion. (laughs) But uh, getting back to this ideological subversion, the Soviet Union itself was based on something called the Hegelian dialectic, as is all Marxist writing. It's a it's a form of logical fallacy. So you could, you've heard things like that's a straw man argument, or um, you know, uh, there's other I can't think of them now. You <laughs> had a list of them I could have given you, but uh, when it's a fallacy or a red herring, that's another one. You yeah. uh, these are logical fallacies. Like you could say, if there are clouds, then there is rain. Okay. Is that logically a true statement? Think it through. If there are clouds, then there is rain. No. It's not true, is it?
2: No, because you can have a sunny day with clouds.
0: You can have a sunny day with clouds. If there is rain, then there are clouds. Is that true? Yes. That's right, because where does rain come from? It
2: comes from the clouds. Right,
0: okay. So if the truth is, if there is rain, then there are clouds, that is a logically provable statement. Yeah. The Hegelian dialectic reverses it and says, if there are clouds, then there is rain. That's what all media does. They twist a logical thing into something that sounds right. It was real close. You had to stop and think, didn't you?
2: Yeah, because there is truth and there is false to the statement. Because when you think a sunny day, there are... White clouds in mm-hmm. the sky. When you think of a day where it's raining, there are brown, Gray, brown dark, you know, yeah. like dark, moody clouds in the sky. So I think if you take the time to listen to the question, if if the question was there are dark clouds when it's raining, yeah, then yes the statement is true. But yeah. if if you think about all clouds, it's like no
0: well that's the way you can slip in an idea. Because if somebody said, if there's clouds and there, if there's clouds and there is rain, you would go, yeah, yeah. And then you'd move on to the next thing and they've already yeah. got you. And it takes very few people. I mean, it's, it's a, it takes a very astute person to go, wait a minute. That's not true. Yeah. That's logically improbable. And logic, by the way, used to be a course that they taught in school.
2: Why did they take it
0: out? Because, well, now you know. <laughs> they don't We want, need
2: to put it back in. Let's they don't just want people honest. thinking
0: logically. Incidentally, critical thinking is what it's called. Uh, it has been removed from schools. We used to teach children how to think. Now we teach them what to think. It's Hegelian oh, dialectic. that's sad. Yeah. So there's a formula to it. A versus B equals C.
2: Okay.
0: A is called thesis. B is antithesis. And C is synthesis. And it's essentially this. For example, if my idea of freedom, A, conflicts with your idea of freedom, B, then neither of us can be free until everyone agrees to be a slave. That's That's C. But that's the promoted idea. That's how Marxism grew. Instead of people going... Wait a minute, that's not logically true. If your idea of freedom and my idea of freedom are different, then we've got to find the the measure of what freedom truly is. And either I've got to change my thinking or you've got to change your thinking. But this logical fallacy says, nope, there's no way to prove it, so we've got to eliminate freedom altogether. Because we can (laughs) never come to a conclusion that will solve the problem.
2: That's like arguing with a toddler. Like, no. They're like... I want to play with this toy. Well, I want to play with this toy. Well, since we both want to play with this toy, no one can play with this toy. It's like, no, that's not how. That's, you're never coming to a conclusion.
0: That's right. Well, that's ultimately what happens. You never come to That's what politics is all based on. It's like they lie with words that sound like the truth. Yeah. It's a statement like if there are clouds and there is rain and everybody goes, yeah, that's right. And then you become so immersed in that candidate. That when, you, when somebody says, no, 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 only if there is rain can you prove there's clouds. Yeah. But there might be clouds in the sky without rain. And they will fight you emotionally and they'll go riot about it.
2: I know. It's, it's quite sad with the whole, when, whenever it was Trump and Biden, the amount of people, I mean, that I have on my Facebook page, like they... You're, I feel like you're completely entitled to believe whatever, whatever you, you want to believe. Yep. I will not push my beliefs on you as long as you do not push your beliefs on me. And I think we can go on our merry ways and still be friends. But there are some people that they are so ignorant or just so...
0: I- emotionally irrational.
2: Yes, that's the word I'm looking for. Like they... Aren't thinking logically; they're thinking with their emotions. And when you finally take your emotions out of the conversations, then it's like, oh my gosh, logic is working. Like we can still be friends and not have the same ideas, and that's uh-huh. perfectly okay. And like, it's it's quite sad, but that's what the world has come to. That if you don't agree with what I agree with, we can no longer be friends. It's
0: it's really true. A, a, a perfect example of what you just said is: let's say you're cooking, yeah, and some oil from a pan hits the burner, and starts a fire. Yeah. So now you've got your stovetop on fire, okay? Now, some people would freak out, "Ah," and they start to panic. Oh, my God, call the fire department, call it, whatever. And then another person might go, okay, it's a grease fire. I can't pour water on this. That'll just make it worse. I need to smother the source of Oxygen. Yeah. Let's go find a lid for the pan and let's cover it. You know, we'll carefully remove the pan off the burner so you don't slosh oil and then cover the burner with a thing and then it dies out. Okay, so logic governed that person's thinking. They were able to think. Okay, I've seen this before, or whatever. Yeah, we can handle this. The other person freaks out, and they start, and I'm then the fire person. grows. And are you that person? I'm
2: not. I don't cook, so I'm definitely that person. That's like, go on, a
0: Well, and the truth of the matter is, in a moment of panic, crisis, mm-hmm. we can lose control. Well, if you keep the nation on a crisis panic mentality, then you can't have a rational, logical, calm discussion right? So there's a. this is an agenda. This is being done on purpose. Now, to segue just for a moment before we wrap up this episode, remember in the garden when the serpent spoke to Eve in Genesis chapter three, and he was saying, can't you eat of any fruit, uh, yeah. any tree? And she said, no, we can't eat this one because if we do, we'll die. And his response was, the serpent said unto the woman, you shall not surely die. This is Genesis three, four. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. So, from the very beginning, the first two human beings were tempted with the ability to have knowledge to be more than they are, to be as gods. Yeah. Okay. So, the reason I bring that up is because. This Hegelian dialectic, and Hegel, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right, was one of those contemporaries of Karl Marx, I think. And they based all this ideological subversion to bring... Because who would accept communism where you have no freedom, where you're all slaves to the state? Who would accept that willingly?
2: No one that... No logical person would accept that.
0: And right now we've got a young generation that are being convinced it is the way to go. But they're not seeing the truth about it. They're being told if there are clouds, then there is rain. Yeah. And they're thinking, yeah, it makes sense to me. But they're not seeing the real country that tried it and failed. Every country that ever tried it failed. But they accomplished what they wanted, which was the the subversion of the people. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, one more passage of scripture: Second Corinthians chapter eleven, a New Testament passage Paul wrote as well, and verse thirteen. He was talking about some individuals. Now, we're going to compare them somewhat, but it says, for such are false apostles. An apostle can be a false apostle, right?
2: That's true.
0: Politician can be a false politician, a leader, a false leader, a reporter, a journalist, a false one. Such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of of Christ. They look like they're telling me the truth. That makes sense to me if there are clouds and there is rain. That sounds like the truth to me. Yeah. And he says, no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. You go to North Korea, Kim Jong-un or whatever his name is, (laughs) only shows you the the clean, shining buildings and everybody's smiling, because if they don't smile, they're going to be shot right? And you're not allowed to go into the country and see everybody starving to death and eating dogs and rats and whatever because they can't survive because of communism, all right? So Satan has transformed into an angel of light. What looks beautiful on the TV screen is meant to deceive. It looks like an angel. The Hegelian dialectic is the ridiculous idea that constant conflict... And continual merging of opposite ideologies as established by extreme right or extreme left belief systems will lead spiritual mankind into final perfection. You shall be as gods. If we just keep creating enough conflict, if there's enough wars we're eventually going to get to, if we subvert everybody, we'll all come to that enlightenment Mm -hmm. where we're all thinking the same thing. Instead of going through God's path of truth, they want... Lucifer's path of truth. Yeah. There was a time in America where America once understood that man's spiritual quest was outside the realm of government control. Government wasn't going to be the source of our spiritual enlightenment. Now it is. Yeah. Everybody's looking to the government. So Hegel was the man. His brilliance rests in his ability to confuse and obfuscate the truth. Uh, or his true motives of the planners, I should say. And millions of people worldwide have been trying to make sense of why it doesn't work for over 150 years. It doesn't work. Communism fails. But they keep trying. And Alcoholics Anonymous says, by definition, uh, insanity is repeating the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. (laughs) So they're insane. Yeah. Right? So that's insanity. So to conclude today, we're going to conclude with Daniel, the book of Daniel, a prophet of the Old Testament, chapter 7. This seems like it's really dire, and we are in some really horrible times right now. And we are, and I think it's going to get worse. But the good news is that the Lord is in control. He knew this was going to happen, and we already know the outcome. And while there's going to be some pain, Paul said we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. Here's what we know, and we go all the way back to one of those dreams that Daniel had, and he saw the image that stood with the uh, the head of gold and the breast of silver and Mm -hmm. on and on, and the feet of clay and iron. And so if we come down to verse 23 of Daniel chapter 7, we read, Thus he said, this is the angel giving him the interpretation, The fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon earth, which shall be diverse from all kingdoms, And it's this kingdom we're in right now, there is a, the fourth kingdom was actually Rome. And I believe we're in the mystery Roman empire right now. It's still going on. Rome was an oppressive empire that curtailed liberty from everybody. Mm -hmm. And they collapsed on their own, but um, it was the outer empire that collapsed. The inner workings went incognito. They went in disguise. Yeah. Whether it was through the roman system of the catholic church and the popes controlling europe or whether it was through the financial system of london and eventually new york or whatever and the u.s economy and the dollar bill whatever it's still there and many of the same symbols of the roman empire are symbols of the of the western world the eagle you know and the uh, the fasces. yes you remember we talked about that He says, the fourth beast uh, shall be diverse from all kingdoms and shall devour the whole earth and shall tread it down and break it in pieces. And the ten horns out of this kingdom are ten kings that shall arise. Now, I think we're living in the time when they may show up. And they might be leaders of technology and industry. They might be the Bezos and the Zuckerbergs and the Gates of the world. I don't know. The ten kings are. The shall arise, and another shall rise after them, and he shall be diverse from the first, and he shall subdue three kings. And that one king that subdues the three is going to be the Antichrist, all right? And he shall speak great words against the Most High, which is God. Who would speak against the Lord? The devil. Yeah. Right? And think, now watch this, here's the verse, and think to change times and laws, now, how do you change times and laws? And I'm not talking about—I mean, any legislator can write a new law. Yeah. They do that all the time. They add new laws to the—we've got so many laws we can't even keep them in this country.
2: <laughs> Very true.
0: So this must be laws of God. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about natural law, like maybe not laws of physics. Like, they're not challenging gravity, although there's some people that do. <laughs> But um, we're talking about God's ordinances, God's laws, what is, what is male, what is female, what is right, what is wrong, mm-hmm. what is righteous, what is unrighteous. So there, he's thinking to change times and laws. And times would be like prophetic times. He thinks he can win. The prophecies are written. The devil can read. Yeah. He knows he loses. But he doesn't think he's going to lose. He thinks he can change times. Yeah. All right? So he thinks to change times and laws, and they shall be given into his hand until a time and times and the dividing of times, three and a half years. He's going to be given control of the earth for a little while. This Hegelian dialectic is all designed to bring about the world accepting him. Ultimately, he's the final synthesis. We'll have thesis and antithesis reach a point to where the the destabilization and the crisis and the conflict will be so severe, the only solution is going to be the guy they've been grooming from the beginning. Yeah. I will save you. I will come in. So he rides in on a white horse. No joke. In the book of Revelation, he rides a white horse. My Lantis, And he comes in to save everybody. But it says, The judgment shall sit, and they shall take away his dominion to consume and destroy it unto the end. And that's when the Lord comes back, and he'll restore righteousness. So I lied. I said there was, that was the last verse. <laughs> There's one more. <laughs> and it's Isaiah chapter 27. It's very short. It's just one short verse. And it says, In that day when the Lord comes back. The Lord with a sore and great and strong sword shall punish Leviathan. Have you ever heard that name?
2: I have not.
0: Shall punish Leviathan, the piercing serpent. Even Leviathan, that crooked serpent, and he shall slay the dragon that is in the sea. Next podcast, we're going to talk about Leviathan. who that is (laughs) okay so
2: who's leviathan
0: (laughs) yep so leviathan is we're going to find out it may have actually been a real living sea serpent it's a dragon okay it's a monster that once existed on the earth but he's a picture of satan and his antichrist and his kingdom and remember we talked about satan appears as a seven-headed dragon yes leviathan has seven heads
2: Dun, dun, dun. So
0: tune in next week, folks.
2: Yes, please do. Thank you guys, as always, for always listening every week. We appreciate if you guys subscribe, share, and like. Always keep those comments going. We love to hear the questions that you have. And I think we got a lot of comments on me saying, oh, my Lantas. It's just (laughs) another way of saying, oh, my goodness. So nothing special there. It's just what I've always said. See, we thought it
0: was one of the mysteries.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It is not. It's just, oh, my Lantas.
0: I love it, though. And thank you, Zena, so much, as always.
2: Of course. Thank you for always having me.
0: You bet. You guys have a great week.
2: Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening today. If you like what you
0: heard, please subscribe to Bible Mysteries and share it with a friend. If you want to learn more, you can go to Unlock the Bible Now. That's utbnow.com.